Here at Just Baseball, we have teamed up with BetMGM for the 2023 MLB season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use code JUSTBASEBALL, and you will get up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Step number one, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JUSTBASEBALL. Step number two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Step number three, you will receive receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. Call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,000 first bet offer today. Just Baseball Show is presented by BetMGM. Use promo code JustBaseball at sign up. Start betting with the King of Sportsbooks, especially with college football here, especially with the NFL quickly approaching. And, uh, oh, by the way, we're talking baseball, and we've got Walker Bueller. We got to talk kind of crappy stuff with Felix Bautista and Otani and Trout. We already kind of talked to Otani with him. Like, this is just miserable, what we got going on right now, and – I don't know. We'll do that. Um, we'll start with the Little League World Series. Peter, I took a nap from 7.45 to 8.35 p.m. on Sunday night. Am I a loser? Yeah. Yeah, you are a loser. Yeah. For that or for other reasons? For other reasons, but that kind of puts the cherry on top of the Sunday. Yeah, I mean, a midday nap, I guess, but that's already getting too late in the night. Then you wake up and you feel good, but then it's time for bed soon. That's a weird time to take a nap. Yeah, man. I, I don't know. It was day game today. I come back. I'm like, I, I want to sleep, but I did like a deep clean of the apartment and that's all that. But beside the point, El yeah, this is, this yeah. is a pretty sleepy start to the podcast when we got a Little League World Series winner on a walk-off home run. We're talking to Walker Bueller. Get fired up, Jack. I'm fired up. El Segundo, California, your Little League World Series champions over the team from Pabao Curacao. Um, I like that was a great game. And the Little League World Series is awesome because it's baseball at its purest form. And uh, I think that this was like high intensity moment and best thing that can happen in a young kid's life just happened on freaking ABC on a Sunday afternoon. And Lewis Lappy, know the name, folks. He probably got offered on the spot. 
He had to uh, walk off home run for Luis Lappi for El Segundo, California to beat Curacao in the Little League World Series. But before that, it was 5-1, to one, and Curacao tied it with a grand slam. So they had a moment of their own. But unfortunately, Jack, Curacao is now fitting in the same bucket as when you were talking about potentially betting in the NFL with our friends at BetMGM. They're kind of like the old Buffalo Bills where they keep getting to the World Series, getting to the Super Bowl, and not coming away with a win. They were there in the championship in 2019. Lost. They were there in the championship in 2021. Lost. They were there in 2022, 2023. They keep losing. Actually, excuse me, not in 2021 because I think it was two United States teams playing each other because of the COVID. Yeah. The COVID, 2022, twenty twenty three, again losers, but it's going back to California. It's going back with the United States. We're Little League World Champions with association. Couple of follow ups here. Um, Curacao loses the Little League World Series final. Jurickson Profar gets released on the same day. Is that the worst day in the history of Curacao baseball? I don't know. What about the same day last year that in 2019? It's been it's been not a good yeah, half like, day. Did Profar get released that day? I don't think Profar got released that day. Other thing, El Segundo, California got video shout outs before the final from both the Dodgers and the Angels. Which one meant more? Dodgers, unfortunately, <laughs> by like a lot. I think I, I, I think Mookie Betts leads off the video for the Dodgers. Like, hey, this is Mookie Betts here. Want to wish you guys good luck. And the Angels, it's, it's probably just stock footage. I haven't watched it. No, it's funny because it's like Mookie Betts, then Clayton Kershaw, then Freddie Freeman, and the Angels, it's like, I didn't see Otani in the video, but it was like Brandon Drury and Mike Moustakis. It's a tough time in Anaheim. Not really in Los Angeles, California. Did but for the Anaheim, Los Angeles, Angels of Anaheim of California, it's been, it's been rough. Actually, they didn't even put together a video. They just like quote tweeted the... the MLB thing and was like, congratulations, El Segundo Little League. The last thing they're worried about right now is the Little League World Series. They just lost three to two to the Mets on Sunday. It's 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 not ideal. And the Dodgers are can like allocate some of their attention to El Segundo Little League because they are in the driver's seat in that division and they're kicking ass. Also, before we hop in, um, Moon Tank from Lewis Lappy. That was, I think, the second craziest bomb of the day. I saw you tweet out Vladdy taking Noah Syndergaard deep before Syndergaard got DFA'd. Yeah. That was a rocket from Vladdy. Stackhouse had that home run at 415 feet. I highly doubt that. I had it at 490 by my Apple Vision. And it was quite possibly the worst pitch of the season. It was 87 right down the middle. If I'm the Cleveland Guardians and I saw that pitch going in, yeah, I'm probably going to DFA you after. With all due respect to Noah Syndergaard, with all due respect, that was the worst pitch I've ever seen. So I think it was Trout that took a Lance Lynn, like cement mixer slider to the stratosphere earlier this year. I think it was like 465, 470 to left field in Chicago. And I got to find this, but it is like the most it's the most throw in the towel pitch that I had ever seen until this Syndergaard pitch. That might've been the most throw in the towel pitch that I've ever seen before. Middle, middle 87. I could have hit that. Like, you know, those um, when like non-athletes like myself 
go on the internet and say, we could probably hit 050 if given a thousand AB. That's four days a week for you. I do, <laughs> I do think I could have hit that ball. I really do. But I couldn't have hit it 415 feet, supposedly. Apple Vision at 490. But just to wrap up, Lewis Lappy, that home run, he was a beast that entire Little League World Series. Why is the pitcher for Curacao even pitching to him at all? But then on the on top of it, the announcer jinx by Carl Ravitch. That was the I mean, like, to that pitch. Curacao has not allowed a home run in the Little League World Series. Next pitch, moon tank into left field. The kid looks like he's 6'2". He looks like he could be in the minor leagues right now. What are we doing pitching to him in a tie game, Curacao? We got to be better. Also, 6-1 rounding the bases like that. That kid was 6-1, I think. Rounding the Little League World Series bases there, like he looked like a giant on a field for ants. We have to do something. But like, hey, congratulations to El Segundo Little League. Last thing on Syndergaard, Ahmed Rosario has a 744 OPS and has 0.4 R war right now versus negative 0.1. Dodgers won the deal. Yeah, that sounds good, though. But Ahmed Rosario had three home runs in the team's first five games and had an OPS over a thousand. Since then, I think he's hitting 150. So while the Dodgers probably won no the trip because they got out something, it's not like Ahmed Rosario has been any good for the Dodgers either. So don't worry, Guardians fans. It's not like he got fleeced. Yeah, but he hasn't been a liability. And like True. Syndergaard was DFA level liability. So you actually traded something for a guy you DFA'd after four starts, five starts. It's funny, though, Syndergaard wasn't horrible with them. The Guardians still won that game against the Blue Jays. He's actually done wonderful things for their wild card opportunity. Noah Syndergaard. The Guardians, we haven't really talked about them in a while. Just so disappointing this we year. We don't need to. That's the I thing. Know, Bybee's still... been good. Gavin Williams has had a good rookie year. Logan Allen has been good. Like The, the young pieces in that rotation look awesome. And Class A, while he's not Bautista level, and we're going to talk Bautista with Walker Buehler, um, while he's not Bautista level, he has still been really good. And when this guy is this good in a quote unquote underperforming season, um, I, I think we're in a really good spot with a guy that is consistently going to be one of the best relievers in all of major league baseball. That's my takeaway from the guardians. Like they threw in the towel offensively and it's hard to watch. Yeah. My takeaway is Cole Calhoun and Oscar Gonzalez are the fourth and fifth hitters for this team. Yeah, Oscar Gonzalez was fine with the Columbus Clippers when I saw him earlier this year. Okay. Fine. Okay. Okay. Here's Walker Bueller. Curveball for me today. Uh, ancient age and a mixer. I mm. I diluted. I'm sorry. I apologize for that, Walker Bueller. How are you, you doing? You picked the right one to do it. You picked the right one to do it with. That's all right. Yeah, Benchmark has been a great mixer for me this week, but Ancient Age, I, I like it on this show. How you feeling, man? I'm good. I'm good, man. Everything's rounding out. I'm supposed to be in a game on the 29th, but we are got to see kind of what's going on with the Complex League and all that stuff. So uh, maybe on a little five-day delay on that, but getting our stuff. And I threw two innings the other day, so that was good. Uh, so we're getting there. Yeah, since we last talked to you, What's kind of been that progression? Because it's been a couple of weeks, and I know you were doing some live bullpens. We saw that epic hype video posted by the Dodgers social media. So kind of lead us through those two weeks up until now. Yeah, we're uh, – I mean, I've been on a five-day, so I've done four live. So 
you know, four kind of times through throwing a bullpen, then a game, bullpen, then a game, kind of more, more normal for what we do. Right. So, um, yeah, just kind of building up, you know, you go an inning, an inning, a long inning, and then the kind of two that I did this past time. So, um, that was like 20 and 12. This next one will probably be like 20 and 20 and, um, yeah, then get going. So I, I've seen a lot of guys, you know, come through Indy that are recovering from TJ. And, and we've got a guy, Max Cranick, right now who, you know, whenever he throws, he's got a ton of people standing around. And we saw that video in Arizona. And there were a ton of people that came out of the dugout to watch you throw. And um, I'm sure at the complex, you had a bunch of people standing right behind home. Are, are there... So first one, I'm sure there are nerves, right? Because it's a new thing. You're entering this next step of recovery. But as you throw, you know, live three, live four... Do those kind of stick around as the presence of other people like you're putting on a show in your recovery? Does that, I don't know, stress you out or is that ner some nervous excitement? Oh, What's going on? You know, I think it's good. If you think about, you know, throwing in front of 20 people as kind of the first step to then go throw in a, a you know, a double A game or a triple A game and then the big leagues. And, um, you know, you throw in 94, 95 maybe and, but, you know, if you want to get to 100, like there's other things other than just the arm. Right. So adrenaline and, you know, excitement and conviction and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, the more and more people that are around you, I think, helps that stuff and, and something that I've kind of embraced and, and enjoy, I guess. Yeah. And when you're in these live ABs, you're not facing bots out there. Right. Like these are good hitters. Is there anybody right. that's getting a piece off you and like talking shit, getting you fired up? <laughs> Um, no, I mean, we mess around. I, I have in the past um, potentially put a bounty on myself to try and get get the, the juices going a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, I may have to do that if we do another live. But, um, you know, there's there's things you can do to kind of get everybody going a little bit. Sure. All right. So you're finishing up in Arizona and hopefully a rehab is, is coming really soon for Walker Bueller. Um couple of guys and we'll get the bad news out of the way right now because we had a, a great but sad conversation in regards to McClanahan like it's a negative place where it started but we had a, a great in-depth conversation about that last week and now since we last spoke um you know trout it was a handmate thing or I, I guess a wrist thing because the handmate's gone um but Otani has a partially torn UCL and to quote some degree Felix Bautista has a UCL issue as well. So in the span of a week and a half, we've got three of the biggest names in pitching that are going down with UCL issues. So we're going to revisit it. And I don't know if this is going to look like, you know, beating a dead horse, but what does, let, let's start with Bautista first. This guy's been the best closer in baseball. Losing him, obviously you've got Cano and you've got other guys. Coulomb has been throwing well in that Baltimore pen, but for a young team that's relied on that beast in the ninth inning, how big is that loss? Yeah, I mean, I, I think for him it sucks. It's kind of that breakout year. I think he, this might be his maybe his first all-star team, I think. And and then for his season to, you know, probably end in that way is obviously um uh, no fun and, and just kind of a shitty situation. But um, you know, they're a young team and and it'll be interesting to see. You'll kind of get a read on how important he is for them. Those younger teams kind of ride waves a little bit more than than probably more veteran teams so um yeah it's a it's a big loss for them especially you know where they're probably going to be playing in october in some form or fashion and um uh, having guys like that you, you know you can never have too many of them 
this might be a shit question that garners a shit answer, but when you hear about a UCL injury, right? Because we don't know if Felix Bautista is going to get Tommy John surgery. We're sitting here and waiting when you hear that, right? Because we've seen guys like Masahiro Tanaka, right? Had a UCL in 2014 and then kind of comes out and talks about it in 2019. When you UCL injury dealing with one yourself, like what could possibly happen? Like could Orioles fans see him back soon? What's the severity? Yeah, I mean this this late in the year, it's it's kind of difficult. Obviously, with the success that everyone has had having Tommy Johns and that surgery kind of advancing, I think the the old school maybe twenty years ago, there's a little bit more of, hey, let's try and rehab this thing or rest it for four or six eight weeks and see if it kind of comes back together. But seemingly now it, it's more if there's really a tear or a you know partial tear or tear. Like my situation was a little different. Mine was getting cut, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all kind of TJable now, right? They're not necessarily – there's not as much like rest and rehab, hope the UCL gets fixed things, and it's a lot more of let's just go in and fix this thing because the success rate on that surgery is so high. Were When you say it was getting cut, is that like loose bodies? Were, were there bone spurs that were there and they were kind of hanging around the yeah, UCL? I, yeah, I essentially had a torn flexor tendon that calcified at one point, and a little piece of that popped off and went into my ligament. Oh yeah, yeah, that sounds gross. Thanks for sharing, though. Yeah, yeah. That word sounds horrible. Oh, you'd be you'd be very surprised at how many big time starting pitchers UCLs are calcified. Oh, fascinating. Yeah, that is an SAT <laughs> word. It just gets worn. They get worn down so much, and if they don't tear, they don't get as much blood, and so then they kind of, like, fuse. It's interesting. So it's a weird. I, I like that you brought up the, you know, the initial thought was let a partial tear maybe rest for a couple of weeks because that's what the Phillies tried doing with Painter this year. Andrew Painter, that, you know, stud pitching prospect. I think he's 20 years old now, but, I mean, it was like, okay, he was on the shelf for three months, and then they decide to go forward with TJ I don't know. At that moment, I think the pessimist and a lot of baseball fans said, hey, they just delayed the inevitable by three months. But there was still that glimmer of hope. So now, like just pivoting to Otani real quick, I think there is still that glimmer of hope, especially because he's in alien life form and he's got, what, an 1800 OPS since it was announced he tore his UCL. Right. Yeah, that's an interesting one. The second one in five years is a tough one, right? Because, you know, typically... At least my thought process or kind of somewhat of an educated thought on it is like if that ligament re-tears in the first couple of years, it's usually a, a surgery issue, right? The surgery didn't go well or the ligament didn't kind of fuse together right. And then they say that the average lifespan is what, eight to 10 years on these things. So you get you get a guy that has a surgery at five years. It's kind of an interesting, we don't know what's going on. Is there... Um, like an anatomical thing that's not right? Is there a throw? Is it that he's throwing 100 and throwing sliders that are this big and splitters and um, all that kind of stuff? But, you know, I think one of the big things with the Asian pitchers you touched on, Tanaka, and playing with Maeda and Rue, like even I think going back to Daisuke, there's a big kind of the the way they train growing up is so much more volume-based, and these guys end up strengthening everything including the UCL, but are a lot of them are able to pitch through 
way more significant UCL injuries than I think most American players. Did you ever read The Arm by Jeff Passan? Yeah, that was a phenomenal book. And like a third of the book was dedicated to borderline overuse, but volume-based training in Japan. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, we all, you know, I've heard all these stories of guys back in the day that, you know, they have a a tear in their shoulder, but, you know, we usually use a 10-pound dumbbell on a raise, right? Like there's pitchers that have done 40s because something's torn and they strengthen everything else and then they can pitch, right? Like there are different ways to go about it. You know, obviously some better, some worse, but um, you know, just because something is torn doesn't always mean that you can't go perform at a high level. But, you know, I think this Atani thing is interesting because free agent after the year, typically we would look at the Bryce Harper, Tommy John, those guys can hit in games about six months after a surgery so now we're buffing up against him missing time next year as a hitter as well. So it'll be really interesting, I think, to see how much risk they take in, hey, let's rest this thing for two months from throwing and see where we're at. Because then you're into October and the, the schedule gets real tight there at the end of that thing. I'm also curious just uh, about that volume training. Like when you were sharing a clubhouse with Ryu and Maeda, did you notice that they had a kind of a different plan coming over that they were throwing a lot more or did they start to adjust to what everybody else was doing? Um, I mean, they, they definitely made some adjustments. Obviously they were there well before I I was, so I wasn't kind of there, you know, right when, when they came over, but um, you know, you look at the structure of Kenta's contract with us when he came over, it was very incentive based because, you know, he ended up having Tommy John surgery, but I think there was some stuff in his elbow that for him didn't bother him or didn't make him feel horrible, but maybe on an MRI you wouldn't have liked. Uh, It's kind of speculation, but when you look at the way the contract was set up, all incentives are mostly incentives. Like it makes sense. Right. So, you know, if that guy's healthy, he's going to make more money. And and that's kind of how teams will structure things. A lot of times if they're not, 100% 100% sure on a on a medical point of view thing. Now there are incentives for what you know a million other reasons as well. I, I don't think every incentive based deal is because there's some you know shady injury going on, but um, I think that's definitely one one way to kind of look at some of that stuff. Let's get off the elbow and go to something shittier in the shoulder. Uh, thoracic outlet sucks. Like, let's just make this thing suck right now. So this is already a lost podcast. We're kind of cooked anyways. So um, Steven Strasburg, uh, he's officially retiring um, thoracic outlet in 2020 after that World Series MVP or thoracic outlet in 21. But the issue started in 20. Um, this guy, like, Yes, the back end and that massive deal is a what if, but it was so much fun to watch that guy starting at San Diego State. That debut, Peter mentioned it last week, like that was one of the most memorable big league debuts that we, I mean, Peter and I have been alive for. I'm sure that you've been alive for it too. So when you think Steven Strasburg, what comes to mind for you? Yeah, I mean, the the biggest, I actually got to talk to him a couple of times on the phone in between 17 and 18, really nice guy, pretty mild mannered. and, And then- get him on the mound and it was kind of a different, different animal. Right. Um, I pitched against him in 2019 when they went on that playoff run and came out with a lead. So it's kind of a, uh, a claim to fame for me, I guess, but golf club. Um, no, that was, that run in 19 was about as, as good as you'll see a playoff run from a starting pitcher. And, um, uh, I did see a crazy stat that 
is sad looking back on it in terms of like his career after that year, but he threw 37 innings in that playoff in that playoff run, which is insane. Yeah. And I think he, he threw 33 after. He just put it all on the line, everything for that World Series. Like he got a World Series MVP out of it. So I don't know. And, if- and well, tip of the tip of the hat too to the organization, right? For rewarding the guy that did that in his free agent walk here, right? Like that's not always, that's not how it always happens. And, uh, you know, I guess the situation is kind of why, right? Like that's the fear. But at the end of the day, they they held up a trophy and, and they rewarded their guy. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I love that you kind of pass that along because that's kind of always how he presented himself as this cool, calm-mannered guy. But as soon as he got on the hill, it was kill mode. And, and I think that the best pitchers in baseball kind of look that way. In Strasburg, the career numbers based on sheer accumulation won't be there, which sucks. Right. But he had more than a flash in the pan. Like in the 2010, Strasburg was on the short list of most exciting best pitchers in the game. And that kind of got my mind wandering. And I know that you've been a pitching dork for a good bit. So let's let's transition to the part of therapy where dudes just start naming random athletes. But who are some of those pitchers that come to your mind where it's like, they're not Hall of Famers, but in yeah. the 2000s and 2010s, I fucking loved watching this guy pitch. Um, Jose Fernandez is up there at, near the top of that list. Um, Joel Zamaya is up on the top of that list. Yeah. Wait, what about Jose Fernandez? Because like it's clear with the fastball and the slider, but like what shot out to you about Jose Fernandez? Because I feel like um, you got a story. No, I, I you know I, I played with some guys that played with him and the Aflac stuff and all that, so you kind of heard. Um, the personality and kind of the the vibrance to to him and what he kind of brought to their clubhouse and and every clubhouse he was in. Um, I think with him, the big thing is like the fit, right? Miami played for the Marlins, like kind of started bringing them back. They had a decent team at the time. Like then you go into just the stuff. It was really a two pitch guy for the most part who ran through most of the league for a few years on literally fastball slider and, um, you know, did it pretty fearlessly and, and, you know, the whole D Gordon situation and the Homer after, and you can kind of see what he meant to, to that team and to the city. And, um, obviously a really, really sad deal, but, um, in terms of like electric guys, like they probably haven't really made many like him ever. And I, I just kind of interrupted you when you were going through your list, because I just had to hear more about Jose Fernandez. Cause he's on my short list, Yeah, but who else makes that for you? Um, I mean, if you're talking that kind of Strasburg level excitement to watch a guy, I think Verlander when he was young is probably up there. Um, Joel Zamaya is the one I remember. Uh, okay. He- quick. Yeah. Quick interjection here. You remember yeah. how he got hurt 2006? I know how they said he got hurt. And then I know how he actually got hurt. Okay. So I know what they I know what they said at 2006 ALCS, the reported injury was wrist issue because he played too much guitar hero and he missed the American league championship series. Um, I, I doubt that is the full story. Got it. Got it. Um, who else? (laughs) We're just leaving the listeners on a cliffhanger here. We're like, um, Aroldis Chapman, when he first came up, had that to him. 
Lincecum in that kind of five-year window. Yeah. Uh, trying to think who else. I thought I'm the gonna... pitcher in San Francisco, I know Lincecum gets all the shine, but Matt Cain was such a dog. <laughs> yeah, but it was never it was never like the 98, 100, you know. It, it was you, the get Yeah, like, but it was like perfect games and shit like that too. Like, yeah, Matt, I, I've spoken on the phone with Matt a few times. I like him a lot. Uh, he was fun to watch. For me, when Latos got traded to Cincinnati, that was like a big deal. Because mm-hmm. um, I was a big Reds fan, and it was like, oh, we finally got someone from another team. Like, the Reds kind of developed everyone. But that rotation was kind of my favorite. I know we've kind of probably touched on that. But uh, Harang, Arroyo, Latos, Cueto, Cueto, Volquez. And, his- and Homer Bailey was like kind of coming up behind them. I love that uh, Royals back end bullpen. I think it was Wade yeah. David, Holland, and uh, who was the seventh inning guy throwing a hundred? Uh, the Latin right hander that threw yeah. him hard. Kelvin Herrera, who yeah. had a tattoo on his forearm that just said Herrera, yeah. which I love. Um, one more guy that I want to throw at you is Ben Sheets. That was one of the first ones yeah. that like I fell in love with. I was like, this guy is dominant at points. Yeah, that was a. I remember him. He was a big time, and I. At the same time in Milwaukee, they had uh, Corey Hart, I think was his name, who was a Owensboro guy, I think. I forget where he went to high school, but he's from Kentucky, I think. Yep. So I remember kind of remember like watching their games or whatever. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's been some some guys over the years for sure. The one pitcher that I thought could have been a first ballot Hall of Famer if he just pitched longer, he still had a great career, but Cliff Lee, yeah. when he his stuff, like he's greatest NLCS game three pitcher of all time. 2009, H yep. Phillies. 2010, he's on the Rangers. Game yep. three, ALCS, eight innings shutty. Yeah. Just felt like Cliff Lee, 2 5 ERA in the postseason. He haunted yeah, my. That staff was him and Holiday and uh, Hamels. That was a. That was a pretty big so I'll give you one throwback. The guy I really like to watch, or the two guys that played together were uh, Santana and or Santana and Liriano when Liriano first came up. We kind of didn't hadn't seen like a real lefty starter slider like that in a while. It was kind of a I mean, even at the end of his career, it was kind of a unicorn slider where it just acted kind of different. And um yeah, his first couple of years he was he was really, really fun to watch. Liriano the- stuck around for a hot minute too. That that tandem, like that was best lefty lefty tandem in baseball, and it wasn't close at that point. As a White Sox fan during that period, like nightmare type shit. Yeah. How about the most underrated pitcher of the 21st century? Brandon Roy- Webb. Webb. No, it's Brandon Webb. Well, Brandon Webb just had such a short shelf life. He was like the best pitcher in baseball for three years. Roy Oswalt, 318 ERA over a decade. He didn't strike out everybody, but he was always there. 200 innings on a staff with Clemens, Pettit. Roy Oswalt was a stud. It was like 230 innings at 160 strikeouts, like a 3 1 ERA every year. That guy was so good. He was like 5 8, just tossing curves. Brandon Webb. It was, it was so short. Was he amazing? Absolutely. He ain't 1,300 innings. It wasn't that short. Yeah, but how, how good was he? In those two years, like he had a 1300 inning career, but the best 
innings of Brandon Webb came in like three years. It was 284, 359, 354, 310, 301, 330. He was very consistent. In those, in those years, though. I mean, he won a Cy Young. 180, 208, 229, 235, 236, 226. It was, it was very consistent. You're eating shit right now, Peter. Just acknowledge it. Like you want to know something very crazy about this? So he played six full years. He made He had 30 war. He had five war a year for his career that's incredible okay i like that shout most underrated pitcher of the 2000s is brandon rep is brandon webb um kentucky guy. oh is he university of kentucky i know he's doing some diamondbacks like pre and post so i just thought he was an arizona guy but ashland kentucky how about that okay i want to wrap by talking about something in kentucky in november and the floor is yours on that really cool stuff happening from the bueller family yep. foundation yeah, the Bueller Family Foundation, our fourth event. Um, so we've got some cool stuff coming up. This is the first year that we won't be, that we're actually going to take our, you know, our foundation and kind of do our own thing as opposed to kind of donate. We'll still do some stuff with with cancer research. That's never going to change for us. But um, yeah, we're going to, I've kind of recently, personally started doing a lot of the hot tub, cold tub, sauna kind of wellnessy stuff. And um, not to be like the Joe Rogan super fan, right? But uh, I know it's kind of going around the country. So um, our plan is within the next kind of 12 to 18 months to set up one of those for first responders back home. And um, so it'll be free for them. And and that's kind of what we want to do. And, um, you know, we'll branch into some other stuff. But, uh, yeah, our golf event, last year we raised, we raised $201,000 last year. So for a, a little charity golf event in middle of November in Lexington. We're, we're pretty proud of it. And um, so we'll do that. I think we're going to do some other um, events next year, kind of trying to expand it a little bit, but um, yeah, we're excited. It's cool that it's so going to be Lexington and you're going to expand to LA as well. I'm sure. Yeah. I think we're going to do, um, you know, Kirsch does his ping pong event. We've kind of knocked around some ideas similar to that. Maybe a cornhole event, I think would be really cool. Um I'm probably going to do a bourbon and cigar event in LA. I think at some point, sure. uh, one of my favorite restaurants, the guy out there wants to do it. So, um, you know, we've got some ideas we're, we're kicking around, but, you know, hopefully we'll have another auction uh, online auction. Like we did last year, we put some really cool stuff up. So um, as we get closer, we'll, we'll kind of start putting that stuff out there, but uh, yeah, we're always looking for sponsors and help and, and whatnot, but Buffalo Trace has helped us a lot and and Yeti coolers have helped us. And uh, True Spec Golf is is kind of the the big driver of of a lot of the prize packages and stuff. So uh, we got Red Vanley on board this year, which would be really cool. And um then a new hack company called D Hudson that we're working with. So uh, we're gonna have big, big packages and uh, big prizes. We always do a pretty good job with that stuff. What's the uh routine? Is it hot? then cold then hot or is it cold tub then hot then cold how do you go about it i go sauna cold so if i'm feeling real good about myself i'll go sauna cold that's it red light room after that mm. but if i need a little extra little motivation it'll be sauna cold hot cold and but since I'm you trying to learn how to stay away from the hot and since you started it it really works for you, you like it yeah i think i mean i think there's obviously some physical stuff that's involved with it that's helpful but uh, you know for me it's the mental part of it of like 
all right, every day I have this three minute challenge or four minute challenge to sit in this cold tub and, and figure out how to get through it. Right. Um, and you can do that stuff in 30 minutes, right? You get in the sauna for 20, you go get in the cold tub for two minutes and then you're out of that place. Um, if you want to be right. And so thinking of kind of all the stuff that has happened in our country that first responders have, have dealt with for me, like if they can stop on their way home from work and instead of, you know, I don't really have much room to talk about stopping and having a drink, but if they can stop and do that, um, kind of have a little checkout before they get home to their, their families and stuff. I, I think, I think there's a lot of benefit to it and, and something that, um, I didn't think I would be passionate about until I started doing it. And and I think that's a big part of it as well. Right. I, I don't know how receptive everyone's going to be to that, but if I can just get them in there, um, I, I think, I think it'll be a big deal. Well, if you're passionate about it, it's going to work. And like, right. I think that type of outlet is so cool. And I read all about Musgrove's thing when Musgrove had his real breakout in San Diego, um, you know, training with with seals, doing the underwater, you know, holding your breath technique, that kind of thing. And I'm just fascinated because that's such an unorthodox way to take something to the mount. So I'm sure the mental process that you go through in that in turn creates, you know, some sort of like almost lower your tension in your shoulders when you're on the hill and, and vice versa. Yeah, you know, I think there's all this science on the cold and the hot and the sauna and all of that stuff, right? But at the end of the day, if you can take 30 minutes and like challenge yourself in a couple little ways physically that are that are like kind of that mental physical challenge as opposed to, well, I can squat 315 today physically, like, okay, but like that's fantastic. But can you, you know, sitting in a sauna when it's hot, like really hot in second 15, and then you're going to do it for 25 minutes, like there's this daily kind of stacking up those minutes and stacking up those little wins that um are helpful and and the cold stuff and the dopamine and all that shit so um you know i'm not a scientist i just know that it has kind of worked for me and and you know the people i want to find a way to get in there were first responders where i'm from and you know hopefully we'd love to expand it kind of everywhere or as many places as we can but uh, we'll see how we do in Lexington and, and see what we're doing after that. Good shit, man. And it, and it's clear that you love it. And uh, we look forward to kind of seeing this thing unfold in Lexington. Cool. All right. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Sounds good. Great chat with Walker. As always, I went with a mixie today instead of just the straight bourbon. Um, and I'm pretty happy about it. I feel good after my eight o'clock nap, I needed some caffeine in there. So uh, Peter, Take us out, baby boy. Yes, and just remember, we are brought to you by BetMGM. Use promo code JustBaseball when you sign up and deposit into your newly created account. Download the BetMGM Sports app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Place your first bet offer and receive up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if it loses. If the bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once the wager is settled. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER and must be 21 or older. Best way to support the Just Baseball show is to get yourself some Just Baseball merch. I'm rocking the hat. Get yours in the episode description. Another great way to support without spending a dime is to, of course, rate and review this podcast five stars, whether that be on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoyed this on YouTube, click that subscribe button. We got many more episodes coming to you at five days a week, Monday through Friday. 
give us a like, hit the comment button, what you'd like to see next. Support our partners at BetMGM and Alt, all you card co collectors out there. The link is in the episode description. That's Jack, I'm Peter, and with that, thank you everybody.